It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Change is the one constant in life, and yet most of us are addicted to certainty. We like life to be neat and tidy, but the reality is it's anything but. Today's guest, Emma Nadler, got a call from her daughter's doctor that changed her life forever. She joins us today to discuss how to navigate whatever challenge life throws at you. Emma is a psychotherapist and author who helps people understand emotions, build deeper relationships, and find meaning in life's challenges. Her memoir, The Unlikely Village of Eden, is about learning to adapt and accept when life doesn't go as planned. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Emma, let's begin by talking a little bit about your daughter. Tell us about the call you received that changed your life. When my daughter was seven months old, I received a call from from a geneticist. And I was actually I was on vacation in Palm Springs, California with my family. Um, and I was sitting in a you know, rental a kind of a dirty rental home that looked better online than it did in person. And the phone rang and, and it was the geneticist with the results of the blood work for, for my daughter that we did, that we did as kind of a precaution just to, just in case, because she was having some trouble meeting milestones and was having trouble with feeding. And I found out that she was missing a significant amount of DNA, that she had a large genetic deletion, and that it was unknown, absolutely unknown, how that would affect her and how that would affect her life, but we knew that it would have a significant impact on her functioning. So as a mom, you know, we have these expectations, these dreams, these visions about what our children's lives would be like. And when you received that information, what was that like for you? What went through your mind? It, it felt like, it felt like I knew, I already knew it was going to be one of those moments that I would remember forever. It felt, I was so scared. I was, my mind was racing. My heart was racing. Um, and, and to sit with that uncertainty was so difficult. We discovered that we would get an appointment once we were back in Minnesota, where, where I live and where my family lives, we could get an appointment at some point. Um, and we would learn more at that time. So we were really sitting with, and I was sitting with so much unknown and continued to sit with that unknown and, and in many ways still do. And so what did you learn when you got that appointment and you got more information? I learned that 
there were only a handful of people who had been documented to have this specific genetic deletion and that this was so rare there was no name and that my daughter's my daughter's life would be impacted they didn't know um would she walk would she talk would she live be able to live on her own um they suspected there would be significant developmental delays and other very real medical challenges and they listed many many things heart problems vision problems essentially going deaf over time there were so many things they listed that were possibilities for what the future could hold and what if any of the things they listed have occurred what type of health challenges have you all been facing even does live on a feeding tube. She had some anatomical challenges, some motility, which means problems with digestion that have resulted in her not being able to eat foods through her mouth. She does live and get all of her calories from a feeding tube. And she does have significant developmental delays and severe autism. She does walk. Uh, She does talk. She does read. She does have the best dance moves I've ever seen. She is <laughs> playful. She's connected. She loves her people. She is wildly loved. Um, so some of the things came true and some of them did not. What has this journey been like for you and the rest of your family? It's been many, many things. It's been, and that is really what the memoir, The Unlikely Village of Eden, is about is about all the different parts that I experienced because when I got my daughter's diagnosis, I really, I wanted a book that included so much of the experience. I didn't want to hear um, only the good parts about what it's like to have a disabled child. There are books out there that talk about, you know, how it, saved the mother and how and the mom gives up everything and finds, you know, true love in this child. And, and I have found true love in my child. And I also want to be a whole person. And I also um, wanted to keep my career and as a psychotherapist. And I also found it really difficult. And so I wanted a book that was funny also and a little bit irreverent because that's what helped me get through life and the hard things. And, and so I, I put it, into this book because I I think when we don't have what we want, it's time to create it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this book became is it really, it really, I left it all on the page. I really put everything in there. I did not hold back. I really let you in to what it's been like for me. And I hope that that helps others feel less alone and, and, um, and that's the way I wanted to do it. What is an average day in your life like? That's a great question. I love that question. Um, an average day. Um, an average day consists of it consists of caregiving, and it consists of my daughter needs twenty four seven care, and she needs help with every aspect of life. Um, and she needs someone to be right next to her to help her stay safe. And it involves running the feeding tube. It involves 
um, probably listening to music with her because that's her favorite thing. My husband's a musician, so we have a lot of music in our home and dancing. Um, I hope most days involve going outside because nature is something that really matters to me and it's really helped my life. It involves uh, often seeing my psychotherapy clients, um, which I now have an online practice um, in private practice, um, which I love, and I, I really love getting to do that work. And um, and hopefully on a good day, it involves connecting with, with other family or friends. You know, when someone goes through some type of a challenge and, and another person witnesses what you've experienced, they often say things like, I don't know how you've done that, you know. And, and in my experience, it's yeah. just kind of like you do what you have to do. You put one foot in front of the other and keep going. How do you think you've been able to face these challenges? Where do you get your strength from? Yeah, you're so right that we, I do get so much of, I don't know how you do it. And I don't know if I could do it. And I, and I always think, well, if you had to, you would, you know, um, because, you know, I'm just another person who thought this wouldn't happen to me and my family. And here I am living this, um, no more, um, experience than, than the next person in terms of when I got thrown into this life. And, um, and what gives me strength is, is the people around me give me strength. Um, my, my village, which consists of, um, dear friends who've shown up for us, who will come and hang out in my home with me and my daughter and my kids go for walks with us. Um, it's hard for my daughter to go places because of her severe autism. So we base a lot of our life out of our home and outside. And so the friends who have shown up for me, that gives me a lot of hope. Um, and family who's also been relentless in their, in their support neighbors, um, I think my connection for me, it's Judaism for many people, you know, I think any faith or spiritual connection can be really helpful. Um, I love being outside and, and being around the trees and being around the flowers and being around things that grow. Um, and I think that's, there's a, there's a real miracle to that, to being mm -hmm. around uh, the bounty of, of nature. Um, and so, and, and writing and finding something that I love to do, having a creative outlet, that's also really boosted my sense of hope because it's given me a chance to shape our story and to have a say in it. I think when something hard happens, we often feel like, I mean, of course, the, the refrain of it's not fair, why did this happen? But also, like, what do I get to do with this? You know, not feeling in control. And for me... You know, it's been a big realization, like, yeah, I'm not in control. News flash for all of us, right? We're not in control. But we do have influence. We have influence over our lives. And for me, writing and creating this book has felt powerful because I get to use my voice. And so that's been really helpful to me as well. Wearing your psychotherapist hat for a moment, how important is connection and community in facing adversity? It's the number one indicator of, of being able to recalibrate when, when life doesn't go to plan. Having relationships matters so 
much. And, and I think in our society and I think as we've come through COVID, people, you know, we're human and we've kind of lost sight of that. And I really hope this book brings this, this conversation into focus about just how much we need each other. We need each other in difficult times. We need each other in good times. We need each other all the time. And we're really, um, we're, we're pack animals, you know, like we need each other to be in it together. And I do think that that's what helps make nearly anything bearable. Well, I think that feeling of hopelessness comes from isolation. Yes, absolutely does. That's, that's exactly right. And, and, and we, we need connection just like we need food and water and, um, you know, I'm not the first one to say that, um, it, we, but it's a part of um, an essential need. Oftentimes, and, and I know I've been guilty of this throughout my life, I, I worry a lot about tomorrow. And when you are facing the types of challenges that you are within your family, I would imagine that if you allow yourself to go down that road, it can be very frightening to worry about what tomorrow may bring. So when we're trying to navigate adversity or a challenging situation, is it important for us to stay in the present moment and not allow ourselves to wander down that road? It's definitely the most advisable path. And we're all imperfect. And so I think that there's this this human part of all of us that in our minds that will wander to the past, that tries to make sense of things, that does wonder, what did I do? Because that's that's the human grappling with wanting control. If we blame ourselves, then in a way it was still up to us. So there's, there's this real human component. But yes, of course, the hope is, and we can help ourselves bring ourselves back to the present. Um, and, and there's many ways to do that, like through mindfulness or meditation or other means um, that can be really helpful. But I do want to say it's going to be imperfect. But I think if, as a practice, if we could try to bring ourselves back to what's happening now, that's certainly the most relieving way to live. Well, you just mentioned imperfection. And when we become parents, they hand you another life. You have no experience, no knowledge. There are no rules. You know, you're just, here's your child. Now go home and raise it. Keep it safe and do a great job. And it's probably the hardest thing a person can take on. And so when we try to bring this this notion of perfection into parenting, I think we're setting ourselves up for some type of heartache. So can you talk to us a little bit about what it means to parent imperfectly? Yes. And I really hope we can move the narrative and, and our cultural understanding towards the good enough mother towards the good enough parenting versus we must be perfect because I do think that's right now the story that mothers and parents are given is, you know, you should be perfect. And it's, it's so detrimental to all of us. And I think it affects almost every mother in some way or another. And as I'm thinking about what we could do most for mothers, I think it's to allow for a range of experiences and to support mothers through systemic changes and programs that would help mothers um, be less alone and feel less of the weight of raising 
their child. I think we need we need more help is what we need. Um, and I think that would help a lot with the perfectionism um, to if mothers were more supported, I think we would be less hard on ourselves. And so, you know, we've been talking a lot about these visions that we have for our lives, these expectations that we hold so dear. But like I said in the beginning, change is the one constant. Just when you think something is going on track, it's like it has, you know, life has a way of knocking you over. So if you could kind of bullet point some of the lessons you've learned and then also incorporate some of your psychotherapist knowledge, what would be a few of the key points you'd like us to know to help us live an unexpected life? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a great question, and I'm considering, you know, how do I synthesize this? I think one one piece is asking for help, being willing to ask for help when you need it, and I also think on the other side, um, those who know someone going through a difficult time, offering help and being as specific as possible about what you can do. Uh, An example of that would be, I'm heading to the grocery store. You want to send me a list of a few things that you want, or I'll just grab some things. Let me know. That would be an example of a very specific ask versus what can I do for you? Let me know how I can help. Those really broad sentiments, while they may be coming from intentions, to be there, but it, it isn't it isn't specific enough. So I think the more specific you can be, the better. Um, and that includes in the asking for what you want and need from others. And um, the other lessons that I got from this book, we we can get through difficult things when we do it together. And in that is where we can truly connect. And. In watching Eden every day and the way she lives her life, what has she taught you about life? Well, she's taught me the best dance moves. Um, And even before, and she walked later than is typical, even when she, it was hard for her to move the lower part of her body, she would do these great like shoulder twerks and head moves. And she was like all in on it, even from when she was a baby. She just loves music. And what she's taught me beyond, you know, that very important piece of busted a move um, is I've, I've really met incredible people through her who really act in a communal way and aren't about themselves or me, but more about a we and an us. Mm-hmm. So she's helped me find those people. And she does also encourage me to to revel in in smaller moments of life, to notice what is fun, um, and to remember to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Do you think she lives her days with joy? I do. She does have joy. She has joy and she also has pain. She does. She has um, the severe autism. She Some of the symptoms of that have been really difficult for her. And the feeding tube can be hard on her and some of her medical challenges. So I think she definitely has joy and, and she also has struggle. And, and I think that's similar in many ways to what anyone's life is, is a mix of really 
you know, ease and beauty and, um, and, and real deep challenges. The book is The Unlikely Village of Eden. If you would like to learn more about Emma and her work, you can visit emmanadler.com. Emma, in our final moments, what is the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, first of all, I would like to say thank you so much for having me on the show. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And you've asked some questions I've never been asked before. And I love a good conversation. I just like, I really, that's my favorite thing to do. So thank you. And um, or, or listeners to take from this is, well, first of all, to support mothers, support mothers and caregivers and lend a hand. And I would like to encourage people to be a part of the web of helping others and being helped to be a part of that exchange. Because I think that's one of our most unique things that we can do for each other, being human, letting each other in, helping and being helped. Emma, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for sharing about your daughter. You know, you've gone through some really challenging times, but I think that you're going to change so many lives by being open and honest about your experiences. So thank you for being here to get the conversation started. Thank you again. This has been great. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.